0: From the Just Getting Started studios of PBS39 at the pp Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another Sprout and Good episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinks. You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Some crops, like peas, beans, sweet corn, and greens, are supposed to be, quote, direct seeded. On today's show, we'll discuss what the heck that actually means, and reveal some tips that'll help you have success with seeds, maybe. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show, cats and kittens. That's right. Potential guests are busy apologizing to their arugula. So we will take that heap and help Of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and vernally verbose vilifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, because it's all coming up faster than little bitty baby carrots looking good in a container right after this. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of PBS39 in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, the term direct seeding seems so simple. Just put some seeds in the ground and go out and get the knife and fork, right? But actually, direct seeding can be a little bit tricky. We'll tell you how to achieve seeding success after a lot of your seedy phone calls at 833- 727-9588, 727-9588, Ken, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
1: Uh, thank you for uh, having
0: me on the show. Well, thank you for being had, Ken. Where are you, man? I'm in uh, Ocean View, Delaware, about two miles from the ocean. Okay. So, you know, if you're two miles from the ocean, how is it Ocean View? Would you have to climb up to a five-story building to see it?
1: Uh, well, there are, they don't allow five-story buildings around <laughs> here. so.
0: <laughs> so no one in Ocean View actually has an Ocean View. Right?
1: There, there may be some that do. I'm not <laughs> aware of where that would be exactly, but uh, it used to be Bethany Beach, and you probably heard of, of Bethany Beach.
0: Yeah. Uh, what do you mean it used to be Bethany Beach? Bethany Beach is. Well, still-
1: uh, I don't know. A bunch of uh, good old boys got together and decided that they wanted to have their own town. So they did Millville, they did Ocean View, uh, and Bethany. Bethany oh, okay. still is Bethany, but uh, we have a couple more now.
0: Yeah, Bethany Beach is a beautiful area. All right. What can we do for you?
1: Well,. uh... My wife and I ordered uh, a hardy uh, hibiscus uh, about three years ago, we think, and uh, it was supposed to be a, a bluebird, and it turned out uh, that it wasn't, and uh, uh, we aren't sure what it, what it is exactly. But We think the blossoms should be uh, pink and white. We're not sure, but because the blossoms have uh, never really opened, it gets full of blossoms in the spring. I mean, heavy with blossoms, but, but none of them open. Really? I mean, buds, buds,
0: buds. I'm no, I, I know what you mean. That's really unusual. Um, these are the, the Rose of Sharon family, and yeah. they are some of the hardiest plants around. I have a, a very basic version at my house that has um, kind of pretty dark crimson flowers. And I mean, but it's lousy with flowers. It's, it is the last thing to bloom in the summer um but man does it bloom so you say that you have buds that fall off
1: yes and it gets very heavy with buds now we do also have uh two uh bluebirds which bloom uh really beautifully and no problem
0: well the bluebird hibiscus that is one of the most beautiful flowers around the colors of the flowers are really magnificent i can almost always explain Flowers that open and then, you know, when you're hoping for fruit afterwards, uh, you don't get any. Then we know it's lack of pollination. But, you know, this sounds like there's something terribly wrong with the site. Is, is it in a very different area than the bluebirds?
1: No, not really. And uh, the first year we had it in a, in a huge pot and then uh, we moved it and planted it in the ground. Right. Uh, so it's been in the ground in its current location for two years. Uh, it, it's only about maybe 30, 40 feet from the bluebirds that bloom profusely. Right. And, in fact, we have another Rose Sharon, which is kind of an uh, orange color, that's deep so. rose color that, that yep. blooms uh, uh, r- real well also.
0: And this one is uh, the the one that's failing for you. It's not in a low spot that collects water. Um, it's not near an area where you would use herbicides or um heavy fertilizers uh,
1: no it's not and in fact my wife won't let me use anything too uh, non-organic
0: so <laughs> okay good uh,
1: good it doesn't get that much water it's a uh, it is irrigated but very little bit
0: but it, the irrigation is the same as the others yes you know what um I think people are too reluctant to do what I'm about to suggest but I think you go out and you have a long talk with the plant this spring saying um you your life is on the line plant (laughs) if you do not produce for us late this summer guess who's going into the compost bin Because we're taking you out and putting something else in in your place. It sounds like you're doing a lot of things right. I I know the other uh, Rose of Sharon hibiscus family that you're growing. They're absolutely beautiful. There's no reason to take up space with a plant that's not producing for you. So and there's really nothing in the books that you would do for a plant that forms the buds and then the buds drop before opening. That's a very unusual situation and only, the only thing I can think of would be cultural problems, like an area that never drains or something like that. But as you know, these are incredibly hardy plants, and it's not, it's not forming those buds near frost, is it? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, because it's the, but, the buds of all the plants are forming at around the same time. Yeah, I think if you want, you give it another year. I don't think it would be against your horticultural footprint to rip it out of the ground now and try something new.
1: Okay, well, that's that sounds reasonable, and I think that's probably what we'll do.
0: All right, good luck, Ken. Okay, thanks a lot. I'll see you. I'll see you in Bethany okay. Beach. The lucky number to call is 833-727-9588. Chris, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being had, Chris. Where are you, man? Hi, Mike. I am in Ocean View, Delaware. Okay. And we know enough that there is no Ocean View in Ocean View, (laughs) Delaware, right?
2: That is absolutely correct.
0: All right. What can we do for Chris today?
2: Mike, I've been trying for uh, several years now to propagate lavender Mm -hmm. with really not great success. So I was wondering if you had any tips on when to cut it, how to cut it, and how to propagate it.
0: Well, tell me what you've been doing first.
2: Well, I've been taking cuttings in the fall, mainly in the fall. They've been softwood cuttings. No. And then I've been no. trying to. No,
0: no, no, no. You're wrong already. Cuttings, oh, no. cuttings you take in the fall are hardwood cuttings. Um, it's not necessarily the structure of the branch, whether it's soft or hard. But when you take cuttings in the fall, um, they're called hardwood cuttings, and they're the most difficult cuttings to root. So, have you always been taking the cuttings in the fall? I have, ah, because
2: okay. in the spring I was afraid of cutting off the flowers.
0: Well, I mean, you you can't have everything. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be propagating plants, you 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 know, you, you, if you need to, if you need a tire off of one car. Um, to do something really special for an hour, you you shouldn't drive the car during that hour. So, um, do you have a stand of lavender? Are you stealing someone's? What's going on here?
2: No, I have two. Yes, I have two beds, and they are starting to get a little bit woody. So I was yeah. interested in propagating them.
0: Okay, and when you did your hardwood cuttings, you would bring them inside and try to root them. That's correct. Okay, hardwood cuttings are difficult but if you wanted to try it so not to interfere with the flowering you want to make sure i'm right about this <clears throat> uh, so look up hardwood cuttings but it's my understanding you would take i don't know how big your your lavender plot is uh, maybe you would take 10 or 12 does that sound right yes tie them together with string dig a hole bury them and then in the spring and obviously mark the place where they're buried or this whole thing goes uh, Um In the spring, dig them up, and after everything in your yard starts growing fresh again, you would take these cuttings and strip everything from the bottom third and then have a couple of pots, plastic pots with good drainage, filled with loose, light potting soil. No garden soil, no peat moss, just a good, bagged, organic potting soil. Nothing with miracle Grow or Osmocote or anything like that in it. You know, it's a good investment to start with good material. Soak the potting soil until it's completely saturated. Use a pencil to poke holes down into the soil. Insert your cuttings that have been stripped down to that level and then gently push the soil back around them and inside, this is all inside, um, then rig up some chopsticks or a coat hanger or whatever you need to do to suspend a paper bag, a paper bag, a plastic bag uh, <laughs> over top of the, um, of the cuttings, a clear plastic bag so you can see what's going on. And before before you finish, use a mister to shoot a lot of misting water in there. Nice, clean water. Don't use tap water. And then just keep that really in, um, in a place where you're going to see it every day. When water is no longer is beating up on the inside of the plastic, give it a fresh misting. And then if you're lucky, you should do like maybe three or four cuttings per pot, because they're not all going to take. And if you see new growth on any of the cuttings, remove the plastic bag immediately. Put the, uh, put the pots into not direct sun, but dappled sun. Make sure they get some good sun, but don't scorch them, because it could now be getting to the hotter time of the year. And keep misting it, and keep that soil moist. If you're lucky, by the end of the fall, you'll have good root systems, and you can then plant them. Or you do with, the, or you do the exact same thing with fresh cuttings in the spring. Oh, uh, but with hardwood cuttings, it's my understanding you have to bury them for the winter.
2: Okay, now I'm willing to try the fresh cuttings to see if I have greater success, because it's very hit, hit or miss right now for
0: me. Yeah, and now's the time you can take some of those fresh cuttings, right? Yes. Yeah. So same thing. High quality potting soil. The nicest you can find. No chemical fertilizers. No water holding crystals. Get a nice organic natural potting soil and just do exactly everything I said with the fresh cuttings. Be gentle when you put them in the soil. Keep it moist. As soon as you see new growth, get that bag off of there. And either way, you're going to plant them in the fall, which is the best time for planting lavender.
2: Yeah, very good. Thanks
0: so much. Uh, My pleasure, Chris. Good luck. 833-727-9588. Jim, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I am just ducky today, Jim. Thank you for asking. How are you, sir?
3: Fantastic. Thank you.
0: And where is Jim fantastic? (laughs) Durham, North Carolina. All right. Uh, Must be beautiful weather down there this time of year, huh? Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, um, I'm not really jealous. We're getting some good weather up here. What can we do for Jim in Durham?
3: Okay, well, a uh, quick question for you. I have a uh, rather large planting box on my deck. It's uh, two foot by two foot by 16 feet. And uh, it's constructed of exterior lumber and plywood, and then co- covered in uh, a, a composite decking material to match the deck. Looks great.
2: Oh, okay. The
3: question, the, yeah, the question we have, the problem we have is, we're going to raise herbs and vegetables. You know, fill it with organic garden soil, uh, and um, I don't know what to line it with. Um, I, you know, we're, we're looking for some some thoughts and advice on it. Um, well, why my concern? Yeah, my concern is, uh, you know, is there a non toxic liner out there that, that you know we can rely on that would uh, would be safe for us to plant in?
0: Why do you need a liner?
3: Uh, well. <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I, I'm. I'm not sure if I need uh, or if there's an issue with planting uh, uh, in in the box because it's uh, you know exterior treated plywood that's lining in the inside of the box, and I, I was just concerned about. I'm not the even sure. Chemicals.
0: I'm not even sure why you did that. I'm totally redoing my raised bed garden. Uh, the field stone I used has just sunk into the soil over the decades, and the design I'm using is concrete corner posts. Uh, with uh, composite lumber boards on the sides. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, that stuff is so inert. Um, I have old Trex landscape timbers uh, that made my first real garden beds that were not stone. They're 30 years old, they look brand new. Uh, They've never broken down, they don't leach anything. Is it too late to take the plywood out? No, not at all. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, What's the bottom made of? Uh,
3: The bottom is three-quarter inch uh, exterior plywood.
0: Okay. Um, I'm not going to worry about that because that's all the way down at the bottom. Uh, So what I want you to do is you're going to cut some drainage holes in, in the bottom. You probably know that, right? Sure. And make the holes big, but then staple window screening over them okay. to keep the soil inside. That way you're going to get good drainage and not a, not a lot of mess. Um, take out all the plywood you can, and then when you fill it, rather than treat it like a raised bed, we should treat it like a big container. So okay. what I'm going to suggest is a mix, uh, ideally a 50-50 mix of really mature yard waste compost, uh, okay. screened black top soil. And even though I said 50-50, um, you say it's 16 feet long? It is. A couple of bags, a couple of cubic, couple cubic feet of perlite, which is that okay. white um, mined material that increases the drainage in garden soils and containers. OK. But there's no reason to line the interior with plywood. And like you say, plywood is not inert. It contains a lot of chemicals but uh, these composite lumber shouldn't be used structurally they shouldn't be used for the bottom so right. and they'd be a devil to drill drainage holes in so yeah you can keep the plywood in the bottom i don't think it's going to damage anything uh, liners can hold water too much and cause real uh, drainage issues i say just go with the uh, composite lumber on the sides You can do the plywood on the bottom. Like I said, drill those drainage holes, staple screening over them. Uh, Fill it up with a nice container mix, and you're going to go to town, man. It sounds beautiful.
3: Fantastic. Thank you. I
0: really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. That sounds like a fabulous plan. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that your next chance to catch me dishing the dirt in person will be at the Loving Our Earth Expo at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Exton, PA on Saturday, May 4th. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet, because we'll be right back to help you have success with seeds and take more of your successful phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from WLVT, PBS 39 in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural, organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma natural gardening community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from PBS 39 in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up a little later in the show, timely tips on direct seeding this is the time of year when we're putting our pea seeds in the ground when we're growing radishes from seed and carrots and lettuces and all sorts of fun things that you typically grow from seed as opposed to some started plants we'll explain to you what the difference is and how to achieve seedy success after more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727 Ninety-five double eight, Kevin. Welcome to you, Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Kev. How are you doing, man? I'm
4: good today. Yourself?
0: I am just ducky. Thanks for asking. Where is Kevin Good?
4: Gross Tate, Louisiana.
0: Okay. What part of Louisiana is that? North, south?
4: South. It's uh, it's between Baton Rouge and Lafayette, right along the I-10 corridor.
0: Okay. Very good. That's uh. A tough, tough July and August down there, huh, man?
4: Yes, it did. It'll make you sweat.
0: Yeah. All right. What can we do for Kevin in Louisiana?
4: Well, I've uh, I've recently discovered your information. I saw your TEDx talk. That was really interesting. Um, I learned about your book and bought it. I'm about a third of the way through the book. Um, and I've uh, recently retired, and I have the time for a nice big garden. Mm-hmm. and I'm running into some, some issues, and I had a bunch of questions for you that ho- hopefully your wealth of knowledge would, uh, would greatly improve my results quickly.
0: All right, so uh, the TED Talk you saw was my talk on compost. And... Yeah, when
4: you walk, walk out on stage with the leaf blower.
0: Yep, 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 that got them. And um, the book of compost is the book you're referring to. Correct. Okay, very good. Okay, so what are your questions, man?
4: Um, I have already uh, a big supply of browns here. I can go into the suburbs and drive around, and they'll, you know, the pin oaks and and the uh, water oaks will drop for their leaves um, in the spring right now.
0: Right. Yeah. And
4: and will pay somebody to bag them up and put them curbside. I can pull up with my pickup and get a a, a very large supply very easily.
0: Oh yeah, I'm Green. a I'm a big time leaf rustler. Uh,
4: greens not. So available. Everyone around here uh, uses mulching blades on their mowers.
0: Which is good. That's, that's the best way to fertilize your grass. What about coffee shops? Are there coffee shops in your neighborhood? I can do that. So even though they're black in color, uh, spent coffee grounds, grounds that have already been used to make coffee, are the best source of wet greens, nitrogen, Uh, for a bunch of shredded leaves you combine those leaves shred them up real good because they're oaks um, with uh, you know let let's say for every four cubic feet of leaves you would add maybe a five gallon bucket of coffee grounds if you can get that many together mix them as you make the compost don't isolate them don't layer them mix them all together where you live with your temperatures, that compost is going to cook down and be totally ready by the next season, by spring.
4: Excellent. Um, Next question. You advocate using shredded uh, mulch instead of whole leaves.
0: Why? Uh, Because the whole leaves take forever to break down. If you want to work with whole leaves, the best thing to do is rake them up into a corner. We had uh, a miserable end of summer. We had ice storms and, and stuff like that, and I only got about half my leaves up. So now we're going out in the yard and we're raking the rest of them up. And they decomposed a little bit over the winter, but we're raking them into the corner of a big chain link cyclone fence. And there they'll break down by next year. If you use a leaf blower on reverse, like I showed in that TED Talk, And shred the leaves, the compost will be made twice as fast because the particle size is smaller.
4: Okay. Yeah, sure. More more surface for oxidation. Correct. All right. What's the ratio of, uh, I'm filling a bin, Um, is it going to shrink by half once it gets to good compost? What's that ratio?
0: Um, It will shrink at least by half, sometimes down to a quarter of its original size, depending on how much airspace there was in the original mix. Uh, But that's good. That's good. That's concentrated cream of compost, baby. You can't get any any better than something that shrinks down to one quarter its size. But that's also why it's good to have multiple bins, because you don't want to keep adding fresh material to the top because then you right. you you'd, you'd be awkward to get the finished compost but you got a bunch of bins right next to each other once you got it finished let uh, once you've got it filled let it finish this is called batch style composting and then start filling the next bin and that way after especially after you get this system started you'll have a continuous supply of compost at any time of year
4: great um is there any disadvantage to using the ground for the floor of the bin.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, it is greatly advantageous to have the your compost bin sitting on soil or grass as opposed to them being on concrete or something, simply because earthworms will then come up into the mix and they'll add their powers of decomposition and break down the compost ingredients faster and leave behind their worm castings, which is like yeah compost with a tip.
4: Excellent. Um, In this area I get 65 inches of annual rainfall. Do I need to have tops on my bins?
0: You don't need to, uh, but with that much rain you'd be losing nutrients. Um, I have in one sense the opposite problem in that I have many composting systems, and some of them are sealed black compost uh, bins. And what I do is I take the lids off when it rains. Uh, but we had 50 some inches last year. So I had the lids off every third rain to make sure the compost wouldn't dry out. That's going to be much less of a problem in your region. So I would rig up some sort of of a lid, but one that you could easily remove if for some reason the compost is staying dry.
4: Sure, sure. Um, what... Uh... Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna build something like a Lehigh uh, bin. So right. I will have boards on the sides and the front of the bin. What kind of uh, uh, what width of slot will will retain the compost and won't come crumbling out? An inch wide, two inches wide?
0: Well, the classic Lehigh bin, as you'll find it, as you start to build this bin, which has a solid piece of wood, then a slot, then a solid piece of wood. Um, because you're stacking the boards on top of each other, the opening is always going to be the same height as the boards. So I've used just regular size boards, uh, cedar wood, you know, third, third grade cedar wood, so to speak, you know, not real good stuff and never had a problem with material pouring out the side. Sure. You get a little overflow, but then you just shovel that back on top.
4: Okay, great. Um, The way I've got my garden laid out, I hand laid up beds, Mm -hmm. so it kind of looks like old school row crop, and I planted the top of the beds. I have trouble getting my mulch to stay in place. you you have any good tricks for that? On the slope sides of those beds, we'll move it, and, and when it rains, it'll float off.
0: So in other words, you have raised beds, but they're not framed. Correct. That's called the French Intensive System. Uh, That was designed not to have empty sides, but to grow things on that additional side. And you get 20% more growing space when you grow on the sloped sides of the beds. And that also stabilizes the beds. So you're looking at things like herbs, especially herbs like creeping thyme and prostate. uh, Yeah, which one is it? Uh, Not the one, the doc. No, no, no. Prostrate rosemary, uh, little herbs that, you know, go down, that hang on the sides, that creep, uh, small flowers, anything to stabilize the sides of the beds. And that'll keep, is the mulch shredded leaves? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That'll, that'll help keep it on. Although as time goes by, you might want to seriously consider framing the beds, especially if some of them erode faster, because they're just in the, in the wind, uh, where the wind comes through.
4: Excellent. Um, In these bins I'm going to build, I really like the idea of adding the the vertical chimneys to increase the decomposition rate.
0: Right, that's when I advise taking welded wire animal fencing, turning it into a circle about the diameter of your leg, and putting that in the center of the pile before you put in the raw ingredients, because the chimney will pull air down to all parts of the compost bin.
4: I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about putting a grid of those in to optimize that phenomena. Do you have a suggested uh, spacing?
0: There are many uh, designs online where people have done the same thing, where they've had a grid system uh, through the bin. The important thing to remember is the chimneys have to go beyond the edge of the compost so they have access to the outside air. And, Correct. you know, there's no, there's, you have so much wiggle room here. Uh, you know, three is good. Uh, don't go too nuts and take up too much space. But And again, especially where you are. You don't need as many tricks uh, because of your temperature, humidity, and rainfall. True. Okay?
4: Yeah. Now, yeah, everything rocks down here.
0: Okay. Well, listen, that's like 100 questions already. I hope I helped you out a little bit. If you have more after this, call us back. We'll get you on another show.
4: Thank you
0: much for the help. All right. My pleasure, Kev. Good luck, man. 1-833-727-9588. That's the number. Ashley, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
5: Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. How are you?
0: I am great. Thank you for making it. How is Ashley?
5: Uh, I'm doing okay. I got to say, I feel like I'm I'm going rogue here. I'm I'm calling from uh, behind enemy lines. I'm, uh, I'm calling you from Marysville, Ohio which uh, happens to be the world headquarters for a certain company that uh, claims to grow miracles out of bags and uh-huh. uh, has a pretty large fertilizer factory here so not in any way affiliated with it I uh, I'm trying to take pointers from listening to your show
0: Yeah you're um, like the French resistance right you know Don't
5: exactly. let them
0: don't let them catch you at one of the meetings
5: Exactly <laughs> Uh, I'm actually calling for some advice about some new honeyberry plants that i purchased through uh, Gardens Alive catalog.
0: I have Uh, heard of these. I've not grown them personally, but go ahead.
5: Okay, sure. Uh, I ordered them, and they had just arrived maybe two or three weeks ago, just as a small root ball Mm -hmm. uh, with some soil embedded with a couple starter stalks. Mm -hmm. And uh, no joke, I put them in the ground maybe only two days ago and uh, I'm interested in them because they had a really unique write-up. They uh, market their really tart flavor. Once you do get the plants established, they've got a long lifespan. They have more antioxidants than blueberries, but they seem to be almond-shaped blueberries. Correct. And uh, in doing my research on the plant, it looks like they are a member of the honeysuckle family, so I wanted to get your advice on if I should treat them and care for them like a honeysuckle, or being that they're supposed to fruit blueberries, do I tip the scales and treat it more acidic like I would a blueberry plant?
0: Um, now, when you got these kind of bare root, even though they were in soil. Correct. Did you saturate them uh, before you planted them?
5: Yes, I did. Oh, I watered the root ball and then wrapped it just in a damp paper towel cloth. And uh, I set them in a sunny window in my home for about a week or two before putting them outside.
0: Okay, and did you keep the uh, the medium moist, so to speak? Yes. Okay, because what I recommend is you take stuff like that and just drop it in a bucket for 24 hours.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah, okay.
0: especially like bare root roses, trees, plants like that. Okay. Um, okay. You, you you ask me a great question, and I have no idea uh, what the answer is. I, I have tasted these fruits when I visited the Gardens Alive headquarters. Um, Gardens Alive uh, uh, underwrites the show. Um and it never occurred to me to ask if they needed acidic soil. Did you read the catalog description? Did you go online?
5: I did, yes. Um and it had commented to uh treat it with some peat moss along the top, which does tip to me there to you treat go. it more acidic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yep, okay. what okay. I would do but and they're already planted, but they haven't really started to establish themselves. Correct. With blueberries, that's the only exception to my rule of never improve the soil in the planting hole. Do you have access to it? Do you have a big uh, uh, bin or bale of uh, peat moss around? Yes. Okay. What I would do is, just like I recommend for treating uh, planting blueberries, is I take them out of the hole now, and I would refill the hole with a mix of half the soil you removed and half peat moss. That's the only time okay. I, I make that kind of exception. And then as they begin to grow, the color of the leaves will be what reveals their happiness or lack thereof. So if you start to see any yellowing of the leaves, um, you know apply some peat moss or a natural uh, acidic plant food. Um, I, th- I guess Gardens Alive calls theirs blueberries alive because they always do that. And then espoma, of course, is famous for holly tone, which adds acid to the soil. Um, just stay, obviously, you don't need to be told to stay away from mere acid as you're looking at the stuff being made every day.
5: <laughs> okay, excellent. Good deal. They're they're pretty scrawny. They're pretty small. So My only interest this year is just to get them to put some weight on, get them to be larger. Um, would you recommend pruning them similar to blueberries then once they do mature a little?
0: Well, blueberries actually need no pruning whatsoever. I have a friend, uh, George and Melanie DeVault, two friends actually, who have a place called Pheasant Hill Farm in the Lehigh Valley, and their field of blueberries must be 30 years old, and the plants are about as tall as I am. And the the only pruning that should ever really be done is to take off any, any dead parts, any parts that didn't survive the winter a pruning would only limit the number of berries, not because they're a spring blooming crop or anything like that, um, but every part of the plant has the potential to put on more berries. So the less pruning, the more fruit.
5: Okay, excellent. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. I'm excited. I appreciate the help.
0: All right. And don't be afraid to take the plant's scientific name and punch it into a search engine and learn more about it.
5: Okay. Excellent. I will do that. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: My pleasure, Ash. Take care.
5: Thanks. You too. Bye.
0: Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will travel down D.C. Way to appear at the Town Center Garden event in Reston, Virginia on Sunday, May 5th, at 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet, because we'll be right back with the secrets behind success with direct sown seeds and more of your seedy phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from PBS39 in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. That's right. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week, where we will walk you through the correct ways to direct seed plants in your garden that are better seeded than planted with plants. I'll explain what that means. After a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588, Andrew welcome to you bet your garden thank you how are you mike i am just ducky andrew how are you doing man
6: good i'm all right i'm i'm in phillipsburg new jersey
0: okay very good the garden state what can we do for andrew in jersey
6: yes i just had a question when is a good time to start planting um vegetables
0: well um what uh, where are we planting them do you have an outdoor garden is it flat earth is it raised beds you're going to be putting in containers
6: I'm going to be putting it in one of those long plastic uh, planting, planting containers.
0: How long? I mean, how long do you, uh, is it? How big is it?
6: Um, it's, I don't know how, it's pretty long. It's like one of those white long containers.
0: Okay. Uh, but nothing that could hold a full size tomato plant or anything like that? No, no. Okay. So at this time of year, this is the perfect time to grow lots of salad greens and cool weather crops. Um, lettuces, spinach, kale, that kind of stuff. If it were about a month ago, I would have said you'd have to start them inside or, or buy plants, but the weather is now warm enough for these seeds to sprout. And the nice thing about growing salad greens in the beginning of the season is you can have other plants ready to replace them because they're going to do what's called bolt and turn bitter when the summer heat gets too hot. Now, what would you like to grow over the summer? What do you like to eat? What do you like to look at?
6: Um, uh, Tomatoes, um, cucumbers, uh, peppers,
0: Okay. Okay. Well, the lettuce, see, that's that's an important thing about this call. Lettuce and spinach are cool weather crops. They're the beginning of the season and the end of the season. Um, They will not taste good in summertime. But, of course, it's still too early to plant tomatoes and peppers outdoors. But you can buy them and leave them outside on nice sunny days, maybe even move them up into bigger pots if the lettuce stays, uh, stays nice and sugary for a long period of time. And then when the lettuce is done, you can pull it out. And about how long would you say your, uh, your container is? Four foot, eight foot?
6: I would say four to eight.
0: Okay, so this is a big boy. Yes. It's going to take a lot of soil in there. Um, And how wide is it? Five to six inches wide. Okay, yeah, I've I've seen what you're talking about. I don't think it would be a good container for tomatoes, with one exception. You could grow, and is this going to be up on decking or something like that? Yes. And you could grow cherry tomatoes in one section of it. Do you like cherry tomatoes?
6: Yes, I I, I get them from the store all the
0: time. Okay. Uh, You can grow cherry tomatoes and let them trail over the side of the container, maybe in the middle, and then as they come down, you just pick the ripe ones because cherry tomatoes, they don't need to be supported. They don't need to grow up. They actually do better if you can cascade them over the side of a railing or something like that. Oh, okay. And then um, for your cucumbers, you want bush-style cucumbers. These are ones that are going to have a more upright habit. They're going to be more compact plants. And the same is true of your peppers, although they won't be called bush or anything like that. Don't try— okay, w-
6: would you recommend starting from seeds or buying them plants?
0: Well, you could start the cucumbers from seed. Peppers take a long time to put on biomass and mature. So with those, you're definitely starting with plants. And the same for the uh, cherry tomatoes. You want want to buy a plant or two of cherry tomatoes. um, I would urge you to buy the cucumbers as live plants because you're just going to get the harvest uh, six to eight weeks earlier. So it's, it's worth the small investment. Were you to really want to start a lot of plants from seed, That would have been done back in in early to mid-March.
6: Okay, and what kind of soil would you recommend? Would you recommend the store-bought soil or like just the dirt that's
0: outside? Oh, no, no no garden soil in a container like that. Uh, Okay. You want to get uh, a couple of bags of what's called professional mix potting soil, um, something from one of the companies other than with Miracle in its name, that doesn't have, uh, you know, a natural one that doesn't have chemical fertilizers. And don't get anything with water holding crystals either. Get Get a couple of bags of that, a couple of bags of premium compost, a couple of bags of screen topsoil, and a big bag of perlite. Mix that together and you'll have a perfect container blend that'll serve you well for years. And then when you're buying your peppers, don't go for the giant blocky bell peppers um, that you see in supermarkets because they take 90 to 100 days to color up. You want to grow miniature peppers, mini bell peppers, or even Italian frying peppers. They're, they're sweet, but they mature much more quickly. Do you wanna get some hot peppers in there?
6: Yeah, I would like to grow some hot peppers as well.
0: So what I'm, I'm gonna suggest is you got your cherry tomatoes in the middle, and then I would put one cucumber plant on each side of the cherry tomatoes, and then maybe two different kinds of sweet peppers down on the left and two different kind of hot peppers over on the far right. And then if you've got some room in there, you know, it's better not to crowd the plants. You'll get a much better harvest from a reasonable number of plants. But then if you've got good open spaces, don't be afraid to put herbs in there. Okay. Okay and they can also trail over the side, but stick with peppers that are gonna mature very quickly. Somebody at a good garden center, go to a good independent garden center, not a big box store, and they'll be able to help you find the peppers that'll ripen up for you the fastest, which means, again, you'll have a much longer harvest time. All this stuff is gonna be ready to eat, um, you know, by mid-July, say. Okay. And then, at the end of the season, when it gets too cold for the peppers and uh, and the tomatoes and the cucumbers, don't be afraid to put in another run of salad greens. And again, you would do those by seed. Um, you're in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, right? So yes. uh, those salad greens are going to be good for you. I mean, they're going to be growing till at least Christmas, New Year's, um, maybe even beyond if we have a mild beginning of winter.
6: One more question: Would you also recommend or- organic soil or just regular uh, potting
0: soil. Organic, definitely. Organic Organic or natural. uh, There's a lot of different brand names out there. Espoma, who underwrites the show, is one. Uh, There's another brand called Dr. Earth. I've seen one that I think is called Happy Frog. Um, Just don't get any with chemical fertilizers.
6: All right, thank you, Mike, I appreciate
0: it. My pleasure, Andrew, good luck. All right, as promised, it's time for the question of the week. Sowing success when you sow seeds. Hannah, an anxious plant mom in Absecon, New Jersey, writes, I've been listening to you every week since I decided to become a serious vegetable gardener last year. Being a first-year gardener, I have many questions, especially since I started putting my first seeds in the ground. Question numero uno. How does a person successfully, quote, direct seed? I planted carrot, bunching onion, and spinach seeds last week in my raised beds in soil that I custom mixed. 40% leaf compost, 20% topsoil, 20% bagged organic potting soil, and 20% perlite. Now, I've been trying to keep the soil moist so that the seeds can germinate, but so far, nothing. Can you please give me a step-by-step on this, the same way you've explained starting seeds indoors? Is my soil too heavy? Could the perlite be getting in the way? Is the soil moist enough? Arrgh! Well, you just got the freshman heebie-jeebies, Hannah. So the first thing you need to do is chill. This is going to be a learning year for you. And no matter how ham-handed you are, there will be many successes. There will also be epic failures akin to that poor skier who we watched crash on the wide world of sports for all those decades you will cry over these failures, and then one day, you will realize how much you learned from them. Maybe. Crops that are typically direct seeded, meaning that you plant the seeds as opposed to started plants, include spinach, carrots, beets, radishes, lettuce, peas, corn, and beans. Add zucchini in there if you're gardening further down south. Although this seems easier than putting plants from the garden center in the ground, it's actually pretty tricky as the salad greens, radishes, and peas in this equation are cool weather crops that need time to mature before hot weather hits, but they won't sprout if the soil is too cold. That's why some people buy their first run of lettuce as plants and then direct seed the later runs. Now, planting onions from seed your first year shows that you have much courage. It's kind of like trying to drive a stick shift without ever having been in a car before. The spinach should work out just fine. In my experience, it just takes a little while to germinate. Same with carrots. I was surprised to not see lettuce on your list. Growing lettuce from seed is an easy way for cowards to get a false sense of accomplishment, and I heartily recommend it. Now, being a garden coward personally, I have lettuce growing in five different containers because I don't like bending over to the ground. I sow the seed thickly, as if I were planting a lawn. When one of my lettuce lawns reaches five to six inches in height, I begin harvesting the leaves with scissors, leaving an inch or two of growth in the ground. That lettuce will regrow for several future cuttings, so I don't have to replant. So add lazy to coward, and you're starting to understand my garden philosophy whereby you are hoping to grow onions from seed your freshman year. Yeah, at least you'll get the tears. I strongly suggest growing small plants that are harvested early in the season in containers. Fill them with a loose mix of compost, potting soil, and perlite about a month before your last average frost date, and then wait for a warm stretch. Unless you wanna give the seed swimming lessons, you should always water thoroughly before you plant those seeds, ideally with lukewarm water. Then place the seeds on the surface of the wet soil, either in rows like radishes or lawn-like with real lettuce, and cover them with about a quarter inch of a light, loose, bagged potting soil. Then use a mister or smallish garden sprayer to mist the surface, again, ideally with lukewarm water. Your seeds will come up faster and the plants will be of better quality if you also cover the whole shebang with professional spun polyester row cover, which you'll find at any garden center, or a sheer curtain in the beginning to retain heat. Mist often. If the seeds are fresh and the weather is reasonably warm, you should see sprouts in about five days. Cut back to misting once a day when that happens, and protect your plantings with something like a beach umbrella if a sudden downpour is predicted. Don't worry about the nighttime temps. Once they're up, crops like lettuce, spinach, peas, and radishes don't mind the cold one bit. Now, for carrots, ditch the topsoil. Plant in one-third compost, one-third peat moss with a little wood ash to adjust the soil pH, and some perlite or sharp sand. The looser the soil mix, the better the carrots will look and taste. Sow the seeds thickly. When the sprouts are small, pull a few of the sprouts a day from the most crowded areas, rinse them off, and eat your thinnings. Same for other sprouts, especially radishes and kale. If you can see it, you can eat it. And these young plants, sold commercially as microgreens, are packed with nutrients. They also taste really good. Now, later on in the season come corn and beans because they're warm weather crops. Wait until you can safely plant tomatoes and peppers outdoors to sow their seed. And save the seed packets. The Days to Maturity listing will help you decide when it's time to harvest the sweet corn. Or you can just let the raccoons do that for you. Well, that sure was an interesting look at direct seeding, now, wasn't it? Luckily, for those of you who wish to read it over in detail, the Question of the Week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the Question of the Week at our website, which is still and will forever be YouBetYourGarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest Question of the Week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to eat my thinnings if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-PBS-WLVT, which actually means 833-727-9588. Or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at YB, yg at WLVT.org. Please, please include your location. Oh, it's so important we know where you're locating from. You will find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows, and our internationally renowned podcast at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show and an hour-long public radio show and podcast. All produced and delivered to you weekly by WLVT, PBS 39 in Bethlehem, PA. Collect them, save them, trade them with your friends. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda McGrath. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Tavia Minnick works the phones. Our website wonder is Anastasia Weckerley. Our audio editor is Jazzy Jonas Bowen. Our video editors are Concrete Kelly Hurd and Judicious Jake Boyer. Our CD floor manager is John DeSantis. Harassed and harried Javier Diaz is our director, might be our producer, and demands to be misted at least once a day. Regal Ron Ruscha is our director of underwriting. Our marketing madman is jaunty Jim McDonald. Our chief techno officer is Andy Cummins. Zach the Tack was Nesky. he's in the house. Our CEO, Tim Fallon, is having business cards printed up that say, I am not the executive producer of You Bet Your Garden, but I am late for a meeting. I'm your host, micronutritional Mike McGrath. And I'll be outside thinning my carrots, radishes, lettuces, and kale, so I can see you, or hear you, again next week. Or maybe you see me, and I hear you, and we both hear each other, but you'll, I can't see you, you can see me, we'll work it out. Just come back.